good one that my friend sent me. Okay. It said, did you know that the, that they uh, have got new airplanes and they're making them out of rubber? And when they land, they go boing, boing, boing. <laughs> boing, boing, boing. That's good. I did have to laugh. That's a <laughs> for boing company. That's funny. Oh. Okay, so we're in First uh, Kings. Hmm. Well, we might have skipped. I might have gotten the wrong one. Well, that's okay. We'll uh, we'll catch it next week. Let's go to First Kings twenty-one, <clears throat> one through three. And uh, just so you know, this story really makes me mad. <laughs> and um, it's also astounding, actually, the Lord's mercy in it. But in uh, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it's near my house. And I will give you a better vineyard for it, or if it seems to good, good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father. Now, you know, one of the things that I think that um, the Holy Spirit, I guess, his idea behind including the book of Kings, wasn't just a historical record. It was to show that there's only one true king. You know, that can handle that type of power and that type of authority. Because you only have, what, maybe two, <clears throat> two or three in the entire lot of kings that resembled or that could even be a type of Jesus, you know, a symbol of what was to come. And so he's the only one that's sinless and that's immune to corruption. And then he calls us kings because we have the same power in us that he had when he walked on earth as a man and that is the Holy Ghost so and then when you look at the three possible ones that were close David had an affair murdered the husband Solomon got into idolatry and Josiah didn't hear the word of the Lord through a vessel that he didn't respect and he ended up dying so every king used their power to get what they wanted and uh, and so anyway, I, I just thought that was interesting. And then, like, you know, when you look at America and its progression, I mean, even with a republic, you know, that is in place by a democratic vote, we're still seeing this power that corrupts. Actually, it's not the power that corrupts. The power and the authority are from God. It is the human nature of man that is corrupting those good things. So we've got a lot of people, even in America, that want to be kings and uh, think they have more authority than we the people. So it just happens everywhere. And, um, you know, like you said, the media, I mean, it requires a media that's a propaganda machine. It requires dumbing down the children. I mean, it requires all of that stuff, and that's what they've been doing. So here we have Ahab, who is actually requesting something that is against the law. You're not supposed to sell, according to the law, your inheritance. It has to stay yours. And we see that God is very um, much opposed on um, you selling your inheritance, where it says he hated, uh, who was it? Uh, Esau, and he loved Jacob. Why? Because Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And the birthright, the reason he didn't want the inheritance to exchange hands is because it was a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ. But not only that, when you were firstborn, you had double blessing, but you also had the, I guess you would say, privilege of the Messiah coming through your line. So by Esau selling his birthright for food, he was willing to give up the messianic promise. Isn't that amazing? For a bowl of stew. It never was real to him. I mean, no. He gave that. 
No. And and then we have here again food. I mean, there's a theme. If you look in the Bible, there's a theme there when it comes to food. But Samuel warned that kings would do this in 1 Samuel 8:14. He said, He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive or orchards and give them to his servants. So Ahab, he wanted a vegetable garden. And he wanted the convenience to literally just walk outside of his house and do his gardening. He felt entitled to it because he was king. Bill Johnson says Satan is the father of entitlement. Naboth was more righteous than Ahab because the law forbade that. In Numbers 36-7, it says the inheritance of the people of Israel shall not be transferred from one tribe to another for every one of the people of Israel shall hold on to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. In Ezekiel 46.18, it says, The prince shall not take any of the inheritance of the people, thrusting them out of their property. He shall give his sons their inheritance out of his own property, so that none of my people will be scattered from his property. Now, I love that idea because when you think back, even to the founding of our country. Um, the Constitution, the law, the Declaration of Independence, doesn't give us our rights. God, right, gives us our rights. It's the same thing here. What he's saying is, I gave each tribe their land. And actually, if you think about it, all the earth belongs to the Lord, so we're kind of written, you know? And so he is the landlord. So just like with any landlord, you can't just lease out a rental property to whoever you want. You actually have to ask permission. So when we rent out this room, when we um, got this uh, location, uh, the owner, I had to get permission from her to uh, rent out the room, right? So th that idea is there as well. But the other idea is that God gave them their right to this property. And uh, and so the, here's the, this is interesting, I was, uh, refreshing myself on Chris Ann Hall's teachings last night uh, and she was talking about the origin of liberty she said that liberty is a combination of two things freedom and morality when you combine freedom and morality you have liberty liberty is not the same as freedom you're free to do whatever you want to do but liberty always takes into account those that your freedom will impact okay so that goes to the is it romans or corinthians where paul said all things are lawful but not all things are beneficial so even in your freedom your liberty you must exercise restraint and consideration of those that you will impact so the best place that is is for example when me and mike were raising kent as a teenager there was no way we'd have alcohol in the house why not that we think having a glass of wine or a beer is wrong unless you know you have a problem with it what we think is teenagers will take any opportunity as approval will mom and dad have a glass of wine or mom and dad have a glass of beer therefore i can so they don't have the maturity to understand number one you need to be legal number two that's not necessarily permission just because someone else does it, right? So that's where uh, if you're around a person that's a Christian, they don't believe they can have meat. Well, it'd be horrible for you to invite them over for dinner and serve them a rack of lamb, you know? And go into the story of how that was a lamb that you raised just to slaughter. I mean, the whole thing would be absolutely terrible. And so it doesn't mean that what they believe is actually accurate it just means that if you do certain things around certain people that becomes sin for them and anything not in faith is sin so the principle is I'm not ever going to intentionally violate someone else's faith does that make sense okay so here we have there's a liberty uh, that God has given people yet he has guidelines because this is their property I gave it to them that is theirs and no one should take it now he also says in uh, Leviticus the land is mine you are strangers and sojourners with me 
So just as we are stewards of the blessings that He gives us, the Israelites didn't own anything just like we don't own anything. It's all uh, something that we're supposed to steward. In Psalm 115.16, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth He has given to the children of men. Now you might think, well, what do you mean? I thought you just said that you know nothing is ours. The word given literally means gives as an assignment. So He assigned the earth to us to steward it, but it has and it always will belong to Him. So Naboth, in reality, he didn't even own his land to sell, right? He, he didn't have that right. That was not a liberty or a freedom that he had. So, here we have pouty pants. Verse 4, And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen, because of what Naboth the Jezreelites had said to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father's. And he lay down in his bed, and he turned away his face, and he wouldn't eat. Wah, wah, wah. I mean, this is a king. A king. Walks away like a little two-year-old and lays down and pouts. And I, you'll notice in the notes, huge eye roll. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. I'm already irritated, right? Okay, so then Jezebel... Some people call her Hezebel. She came to him and she's like, why, why, are you, why are you pouting? Why are you not eating? Well, because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it please you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he said, I will not give you my vineyard. So Jezebel said, well, do you now govern Israel? She's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. It's like, aren't you the king? You know, now her idea is not, you shouldn't be pouty pants. Her idea is, you're the king. You can do whatever you want. No, you cannot. But that was their idea, their entitlement. Arise, eat bread. Go ahead and be cheerful. I'm going to give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Okay, so the word vexed is stubborn, resentful, sullen. How do you say that word? Impl Implacable, placable, implacable. It's it's a state of depression without hope over a minor issue. So he got all depressed because he couldn't have his vegetable garden. Now, again, huge eye roll. This is about as stupid as you can get. And he's a big baby governing the country. I'm ugh. anyway. I, you know, it's probably a good thing I'm not going. She could have come in there and said, what in the world are you doing growing your own vegetables? You can have other people do that for you. It, well, he was probably a king and thought one day, you know, I'd like to have a vegetable garden. And they just, that's what they do. Okay, so here we go with this, this right here. What we're about to see is what sealed her fate. Because we already had the, you know, the prophets were killed by um, Elijah. Remember, he's already um, mentoring Elijah. He's been taken up by chariots. Um, it was already prophesied that she'd be taken care of, but this right here is what made the decision of her death. Um, and it's uh, starting in verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them. So she had his signet ring. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in the city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, as it is written in the letters that she sent to them. They proclaimed a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him, and brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty sorry. And it makes you wonder if he was young, possibly, because you don't hear of a wife or children. Because if there were any children, they would have been killed as well. Because they would have been the ones that had the inheritance, right? So he was probably a young man, 
um, who had not yet started his family, but this is a corrupt court system. And we've got a lot of that going on in this country as well. That's what false accusations do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the destruction of the people's lives that were tied to Trump. Yeah, this is an absolute setup. Absolutely. And so was his. Absolutely. I mean, you got Roger Stone who was put in prison. I mean, even on January 6th, if you've not listened to that podcast on We the Deplorables, the day that January 6th was going to occur, the Secret Service kept trying to get Roger Stone to go into the White House. And he said no. He had an idea something was up, and he was correct. I mean, it's the wickedness of a justice system. When it's corrupt, you lose law. There's, there's chaos and there's disorder, which is planned, right? And so no one has a recourse for action in the justice system. And chaos or order out of chaos is a Marxist strategy, right? So it's, it, a country is in trouble when there's not a court system in place to protect the people. Now the elders, they were equal, quote, equal to judges in influence and regularly took part in making decisions. The elders of a city as a whole formed a major ruling group. Leaders is a noble who were, quote, a social order having power over the lower classes of people. In other words, we've got judges and political leaders working together to overthrow uh, this man for a vegetable garden. See, that's what really just aggravates me. It's not even anything important. But regardless, it wouldn't be something to do. And then worthless men refers to, quote, someone that's in a state of being good for nothing, wicked, hard-hearted, and perjurers. Worthless people are perjurers. Interestingly, it appears as a name for the devil in the Dead Sea Scrolls and in the New Testament. So we have the accuser of the brethren, right? So it's that whole um, accusation like Richard was saying. And then you've got uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, 6.15 where it says, What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now, <laughs> I forgot I wrote this. This is a government-sanctioned Russian dossier by Christopher Steele, bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton. Oh, wait, no, we're talking about Jezebel and Ahab. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot, I forgot to take that out of your paper. We <laughs> that was my own thoughts there when I was studying. <laughs> okay, so these men had no conscience, and they were fine being paid to lie against Naboth the righteous man, saying they cursed God, and of course he got the death penalty. Okay, now, that Belial thing, though, I'm not sure why um, I put that in there. Except I, if I'm not mistaken, Belial is actually the name that is uh, used in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the New Testament for the devil. Um, didn't um, Heiser, or whatever his name, didn't he talk about Belial and all of that at one point? I thought. I was thinking it was a different variation of bail. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, well, if I don't get into why I have this random scripture in the middle of our teaching, I will do further research and I will correct this next week, like skipping a chapter. Okay. All right. So here we, you know, have this uh, hussy. She um, kills this righteous man. Verse 15. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel went to Pouty Pants and said, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for he's not alive but dead. And as soon as Pouty Pants heard that Naboth was dead, he rose, uh, went down to the vineyard of Naboth, and he took possession of it. Okay. Belial? Yes. Is a Hebrew word used to characterize the wicked or worthless. The etymology of the word is often understood as lacking worth. In two common words, Belai, without y'all, to be a value. Okay. Value, so the Belial is referring to the perjurers. It is referring to 
the men who lied about him, and, and then that's the name used for the devil. Okay, thank you, Jarena. I knew that. Well, then the scripture says Satan is the father of mm -hmm. So that's his title. Yeah. So, worthless, father of lies. Um, well, I'm glad that we cleared that up because I was just trying to figure out what the heck I had done there. Okay, so back to potty pants. Now, in verse 17, or pouty pants, and potty pants. I got it. He's both. Okay. Do one worth a Actually, it's not because this is what. Okay, so this. Verse 24. Okay, this, what happens next is amazing, and again, it is such a sign of God's mercy. But here's the first thing that happens. So in verse 17, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. Now, this is instant, right? He's like, get up. Go down there and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick up your own blood. Okay, let's see, how far did I go down? Okay, so Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up. And I will cut off from Ahab every male, bonder free in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of AJ. For the anger to which you have provoked me and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Wow. So now he's angry. You know, and it takes a lot to make him mad. But this whole situation just it was a tipping point it's like you've got jeroboam who said this whole idolatrous thing and you'll see the lord is very like he's patient he'll work with people he'll warn them blah blah but this right here made him mad corrupt kings corrupt court systems persecution of others for following jesus and the verdict was guilty so the same way that they killed naboth they were going to die themselves and he was going to wipe out the entire family line which i believe he did and well, here, oh, and it says that pretty much whatever he's done to Naboth, that's what's going to happen to him. Yeah. And we can tell probably Naboth has no family line. That's anymore. what I was about to say, yeah. So. He wiped, he wiped out a line. Yeah. We don't know if Naboth, was he the only son? All we know is Naboth inherited the land and now his line is completely wiped out. There couldn't have been any other family, if you right. think about they it, because they would have taken the land. Yeah, there's nobody yeah. to even stand up for. So he was willing to wipe out someone who, there was, it was an entire family line completely destroyed. So that's, that, what you did, now I'm going to wipe out all of your kids, and like, you know, like we know he did. But get this, this is, this is God's mercy. It's incredible. So there's a parenthesis. The author is even amazed by what happens next because he puts in parentheses in verse 25. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had actually cast out before the people of Israel. Verse 27. Now, just think about that. He's setting the stage. This is the most evil, wicked ruler in the history of Israel and possibly the world. And then it says, When Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes, he put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted. And he lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly, and now he's pouty pants again, 
And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days. Wow! But in his son's days, I will bring the disaster upon his house. Wow, wow, just wow. That blows me away. So then, like if you look at that, so here you got this numbskull that he actually had enough smarts to humble himself. More than likely out of self-preservation, quite frankly, because later he's an idiot, continuous idiot, right? But that brief turning to the Lord in humility was enough for the Lord to say, okay, because he humbled himself, I'm not going to wipe him out but I'm still going to do what I said because it's too late. There's already a tipping point. It's too late. He's got to do that or the the wickedness will continue to grow. But the curse also being passed down. Oh, absolutely. Well, and then once God has pronounced it, he's not a liar. He has, he's has. he got to be faithful to complete his word. He had already said there's not going to be any more lying. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and he had to do that with, uh, who was the, Eli? Eli the prophet, because Eli didn't discipline his children. They got out of hand. It's like, okay, I'm going to, the entire line of Eli is going to be wiped out. And it was. That happened actually with Saul killing all those priests and Nob. Um, but, again, I mean, it, this is crazy, but it should be encouraging. you got people walking around, Christians bought and paid for, cleansed and made righteous by the blood of Jesus, walking around with more guilt than they have. You know? They feel so bad that they can't even enter and engage in a relationship with Father because their conscience keeps uh, accusing them when in Jesus Christ we are innocent, you know? And so it's like if you're if you're walking around feeling... Now, if you're in some sin, like some legit sin, you need to cut it out, right? Like you, you need to stop. Like he told that lady that was caught in adultery, which was probably another setup, that was caught in adultery, don't do it anymore. You know, so there is that aspect of it. But if you're loving the Lord and you're, you know, you're following Him and, and you want to do, you know, the best you can and live that life, why the heck are you walking around with all this guilt? Because you've been believing the lies of the accuser. That's what He does. He just keeps throwing lies or your own heart condemns you because maybe been taught performance or whatever it is uh, or maybe you've been given a picture of what it's supposed to look like as a Christian and you don't feel like you're measuring up and so here's the thing if if your heart condemns you or the enemy can condemn you then you're no longer in faith and you're no longer pleasing God so sometimes the biggest act of faith is to actually believe you're righteous to actually believe you're victorious to actually believe that you are innocent that that takes faith so if he could forgive this guy with a brief turning of humility then how much more should we walk in the awareness that we have been cleansed from all unrighteousness and that word unrighteous there means any bend toward iniquity that's what it means any bend toward iniquity we have been cleansed of so this is amazing. But I think it's still important to look at that he killed Naboth, but that was not the worst thing. It says the worst thing was that he was worshiping idols, and he led the people to, to worship idols. Mm -hmm. So no matter what he did as far as that one man, God the, it's still the, the unfaithfulness worship was the, was worship. the, mm -hmm. the worst thing well, and because we, it affected that whole nation it did, it affected the whole nation it led to more and more debauchery you know, more and more wickedness because when you follow idols it just keeps growing wickedness in the heart so, I mean again the author is even like, man you know, this guy was so wicked and yet, when he repented God received it now, again Ahab's not excused from his decisions. But we can see here that Jezebel played a large role because the author says that she incited him. So that word means to entice, to mislead, 
and it has a sense of stirring up persons with the intention to get them to deviate, to add with destructive, harmful purposes or results in mind, to incite people to be evil, to lead them astray. And so the poster child of that in our day is BLM and Antifa. So if you want to know what spirit they're operating Maxine in, Maxine Waters. Now you know. Yeah, Maxine Waters, all these. Entice. Yeah, they it's provoke. to do wicked things. And then they accuse mm -hmm. all in one. Yep. I had a question because we always hear about the spirit of Jezebel. Mm -hmm. But I heard one, and they were talking about the spirit of Ahab. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, he's passive. And, you know, I think we kind of just gloss over that. The setting, doing nothing, allowing people to to use you yep. for their own means or yep. because of whatever is um, just as wicked. Pretty well, much. there would be no Jezebel if there wasn't an Ahab. Right. And um, in uh, Revelation on those same lines, this is not in your notes, but, and I've mentioned this before, but I think it's in uh, chapter 3. Let me see if I can find it. Nope, it's in chapter 2. Verse um, 18, and we'll read to, uh, we'll just read to 29. It says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate... That woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the church will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast for what you, ha what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Now that's important. To have authority over the nations, you must not submit to Jezebel's influence. Right? And then it says, uh, And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so now real quick we know from the five levels of discipline that whenever one is... Um, you know, committed to death or uh, some type of sick bed where you say, I'll throw her in his sick bed. We know at that point that person has been handed over to the enemy because he's the one that kills, steals, and destroys. And that was one of our Hebrew studies. Okay, so just to clarify that. But where it says you have tolerated that woman, Jezebel, the word tolerate means uh, to ignore and by ignoring have given her a place of authority. So they abdicated their position of authority and gave it to her. And then that woman actually means wife. Now, I don't know if it was the pastor's wife, but what I believe that means is that Jezebel will always seek to marry herself to an organization, to a nation, to a church, whatever it is. She will always seek to have a union with that leader or leadership that's in that place. And so the fact that these people were being like Ahab, and I don't know if they were thinking that she was going to go away, but I'm like, first of all, a true shepherd is not going to allow a Jezebel or a wolf to come into the flock and start picking them off like they're targets. So I'm not even sure who the heck was in charge of Thyatira, but I would like to sit down and have a conversation with them because your job is to protect the people. I, I, in fact, it was this morning, I was listening to Mario Morella, mm -hmm. and he said he had to repent for being courteous to the devil. Basically, to for treating them very kindly and courteously when he should have just said, you Cut know, it out. Cut it out. 
there, you know, years years ago, and I think Christian, don't mistake God's love for politeness. Yes. If you mistake God's love for politeness, then you'll think he was rude when he called the Pharisees brood of vipers and sons of hell, right? I mean, that wasn't very polite. Then you've got John the Baptist, who was a prophet to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. He called them worse names. So, you, now obviously love was a motivator for using those terms. Because Jesus never did anything outside of love. Now, if you're angry and you're like, you know, pouty pants, you know, that right there might not be good. But here's the point. You cannot mistake love as something that is so um, polite and courteous that it allows people to just run all over others and hurt them. And so that's where the problem I have with a lot of the love that's taught in the church even, it's an enabling. It's very enabling. And so when you've got the Lord who makes a whip to drive out people out of his house, that's actually a display of his kindness. So love never sacrifices kindness. But here's what's interesting. Years ago, Mike, I think it was Mike had a dream, or maybe I had the dream, I'm not sure. He could probably tell me. But, um, and, I, and I've told it before, but I think it warrants being told again. There was, it was like a power station, you know, like electrical station that we see. And it had a, a fence around the electrical station. But the lights that, you know, would shine on the station, there was one that was out. So me and Mike were tasked with the job of replacing the light. And this is when we belonged to a church, actually, where there was a Jezebel and there was an Ahab situation, but I was being accused of being a Jezebel. So anyway, this was way before that, though. We didn't know the story completely, but what we did know is I'm up there trying to get the light bulb changed, and Mike is a, like a guardian down um, walking along the fence because we didn't know there were like holes in the fence, like little holes, and there were wolves because the light was out and there were wolves that were trying to get under the fence and get into the electrical station which to me represents you know the people of god but anyway so he's like fighting you know keeping them off keeping them off keeping them at bay while i was working on the light did you have that dream or was it me i did okay did i get it correct yeah. <laughs> and so anyway when he told me i knew it was significant well at the time uh, there were some wolves at the church that we belonged to. And I had been trying to warn them, and they just kept, you know. And so anyway, I uh, did a whole, whenever I would get irritated at church, I would just do a teaching. So like if they said women can't be in, you know, elders or anything like that, I did a teaching. I, you probably had some of them. <laughs> if they were, if they wouldn't deal with wolves, and I would just study wolves. I mean, it was just like that. That was my response. So I did like this study, like three, three, uh, uh, CD long study of wolves Paul said when he was going to Jerusalem right in uh, Acts chapter 20 he says now that I'm leaving the wolves will come your job is to know who the wolves are and protect the flock that's your job as elders and so two things stuck out to me where there's no apostolic grace or leadership the wolves are there when the apostle, it's kind of like when you turn on the light and the cockroaches disappear. When you have a leader that is an apostle, the wolves cannot stand to stay there because the apostle knows and the wolf knows. You know, they're like, I know who you are, right? But then when they leave, the elders are supposed to be the same thing. They're supposed to work together and protect the flock. Who doesn't protect the flock? Hirelings. They'll run. And they'll just leave the, the flock at the mercy of the wolves. And so here we have this situation where your own leaders are wolves. You know? And, and so the whole nation is just going downhill. And you've got Elijah that's, you know, the prophet to the nation. But, man, it's a disaster. And so the only thing to do is, of course, get rid of them. Oh, that's funny. Oh, they're in, it's in my notes. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh my goodness. I haven't seen this for weeks. Okay, so we know that Jezebel's up to the same thing even today. Now, where it says that he went dejectedly after he humbled himself, it means he went about softly in penitence. 
In other words, he knew to walk on tippy toes right now because he just she got a death have, sentence. When your mother has told you in a certain tone of voice mm-hmm. or, <laughs> or look. else or right. even or, look, yeah, you know, you, you know to yeah, tippy toe. <laughs> so, despite being so evil and wicked, God immediately responded to him positively. His judgment was delayed until a son's day, but notice there is no mention of Jezebel repenting. This shows the incredible heart of the Father. Even the slightest turn toward him in repentance provokes mercy. We know that Ahab continued being stupid, but God responded with extravagant mercy despite knowing the kind of man Ahab was. That's still baffling. That that is so encouraging but baffling that his character is that extravagant. And I find that it really points to my character because I just want him just to kick him in the head and say, gone, you're gone right now. I, well, that's why I said it's a good thing I'm not God. I would have like just pointed a finger and started picking each of them up. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. It just is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It is incredible. Then I have to say, well, you know, yeah. Forgive me because I'm not very merciful. <laughs> as merciful as I need to be. Whatever, yeah. That's like that word that Kent had for the president. It irritated me. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean if he knew the darkness was there, he would... What do you mean he's you know acting like... I mean, when I first came in the word, I'm like... Meh, 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 meh. And I was just like, whatever. But obviously it showed yes, that my heart yes. needed to, you know... We're not quite there. Extend mercy. Yeah. But, you know, that, again, that proves my point of why Jesus is the only true ruler because he's the only one that has all the facts and his judgments are always perfect. He's the only one because he never, um, never executes judgment. Like, if you look at this, where he says, I'm going to wipe out you and your entire family. He didn't do it immediately. Why not? Maybe looking for some similar response. Maybe he was looking for that in his kids. I don't know. He could have done it right then. So he always gives people time for repentance. There will come a day, though. You know, it's done. The age of grace is done, and now it's time to move into a new era. I think that's one of the reasons we need to pray for discernment. Because to the naked eye, Ahab's sins were just like Jezebel's sins. Mm-hmm. She she did these things, but he allowed them to be done, etc., etc., etc. So, to the a- average worldly, you know, uh, physical person, looks like he should just send it to both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would we do it to both? We've already talked about that. Yeah, oh, yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody. already kicked him in the head. Everybody. So. <laughs> but, but God looks on the heart, and we need to have that wisdom and that discernment so we are able to look on the heart, mm-hmm. to allow Holy Spirit to let us see what's inside, not just what's on outside. Well, kind of like what I um, was talking about Friday on the, the hub training. I was telling them, you know, my prophetic, my spiritual intelligence report, uh, and it was from you, uh, that part was from you, Kathy, where slow down like a turtle so that you can see and understand people and God's love for them. So I was telling them it was funny. Uh, I kept going over a couple words of that me and Mike got from Fred Berry on he saw a yellow rose. And then um, he said it's about pollination, not germination. I'm like, what's pollen? Blah, blah. So I looked it up and pollen's yellow as well. So then I'm like, well, what's yellow? What does yellow represent? What does a yellow rose represent? Well, yellow means welcoming. And then a yellow rose is friendship. And I'm like, what are you saying? He's like, well, you need to slow down like a turtle. And you need to look at people and understand them and love them as God loves them. And I'm like, and so, so I'm like, well, so who would that be? Well, I thought of this lady, and I was telling them that when when we were Facebook friends, I met her at the chamber, but I wouldn't wouldn't comment on her stupid posts, you know, the Democrat posts Mm -hmm. and all that and how evil Trump is and stuff. I would just ignore her and think, well, you know, and I'd move on. But she kept going after me on my posts. And so finally I got in an argument with her, her daughter, and anybody else that wanted to join in on Facebook. And uh, so I'm like, you know what, you probably need to unfriend me or I can do that, you know, but at yeah. this point I don't want to have anything to do with you. And uh, well, anyway, now we're on the same um, committee. 
together. Of course. <laughs> anyway, so the Lord's like, well, why don't you use her as an example? This is a media person, which actually we've been getting along fine, and um, she's very smart. And um, he said, why don't you look up her name? Oh, that's interesting. See her as God sees her. Okay, so I look up her name, and it means warrior and fearless. And I was like, we're the same. That's why we were, we were button heads. And it also, like her spiritual connotation means, um, what was it? Great worth or something? Excellent worth. Excellent worth. So I saw her after that, and in me, I'm like, there's that warrior of excellent worth. I mean, it just like completely changed the whole thing. So it is, it's having that perspective. But here's what Jesus Christ came to judge, if you want to know, beyond any shadow of a doubt. That's the evil one. And he's still judging him through us, right? So when it comes to like nations and things like that, there may be times we are given specific words, prophecies of judgment that we must release. We've done that maybe a couple times in prayer where we had to turn someone over. Uh, but um, normally our job is to destroy the works of the devil. And every time we destroy the works of the devil, we are executing the judgment of Jesus Christ. Because he will return and judge the nations. So, anybody else? Stanley, do you have something? <laughs> Stanley! <laughs> Stanley Steamer! <laughs> Stanley, the plural party. That wasn't Stanley. I was thinking of me going to school like this when oh. you asked me a question. So I'm going to scratch my head. <laughs> Can't think of anything? I did think of something. Oh. When Jesus was on the cross and, and he had the, the others beside him, one said, you don't deserve to be up here. You haven't done nothing. Right. And he, he didn't say us, all of us. He said, I deserve to die for what I've done. That was repentance. Mm -hmm. and so Jesus didn't have much to add to it except, well, today you'll be with me in paradise. He was probably going, well, might be better than where they told me I'm going. <laughs> right. I, I'll look forward to that, maybe. Yeah. What is that? I don't even know if they had any other conversation. Any grid. Mm-hmm. I know what else would know. And then, of course, the other one didn't didn't agree. respond. He's like, you know, mm -hmm. we're all thieves up here. We don't deserve to die. Sometimes silence is a response. Can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. Question. Yeah. Maybe pondered it. The word pondered means to be silent and think about. So maybe this is going, God, what is going on today? Maybe, who knows? It had to be incredible. And the other incredible about that, he didn't stay down there for three days. Right. He was a short time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he spent three days there. And it didn't take much. I mean, obviously he was picking up that something was going on here and Jesus was innocent. Like, there was some type of revelation that was hitting him and all it took was him confessing what he saw and that changed the course well, think, of eternity absolutely incredible Especially he comes back up good to go wanders into town going and they're going wait a minute three days ago i saw you on the cross dying because of all your corruption what are you doing now wait a minute well let's just sit down and have a talk about what just happened i wonder how david and Uzziah got along after That'd be awkward. Hey, sorry about that. All these little things I just think about mm -hmm. because I want to read the Bible and I want to read it as it says it is. Where it's not sterile, but read it with its clarity yeah. and to even ponder that's some of the things. And I'm going to, that's what A lot of people don't know that, don't read it. Some read it and don't want to even think it happened. Yeah. But that's the way it happened. How, how many children did Abraham have? He had a lot, actually, because he married that one chick after Sarah died. So he had Ishmael and Israel, and then he married the... Did they have, did they have 12? They had, they had six boys, but out of the six boys, there was the grandkids, and out of the grandkids, it was the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And yet he lived to be 175, and so Sarah was 127 when she died, and so he... He just kept producing well, kids after that one. I don't yeah, have his saying? absolute moments, but he was a little older, then he had more children, and again, 
something about the Old Testament always says sons. A lot of times it could have been daughters, but it doesn't list the daughters. It just just mentions sons alone. Never knew that. Mm -hmm. I would thought, you know, this. That was a miracle that kept on giving. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, when he said, when he said you'll be fruitful, wow. you'll be fruitful in your old age. It isn't just for Ishmael. And or Isaac, for, obviously. It wasn't just for Isaac. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting story. Yep, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, Father, we thank you so much for your word and your extravagant mercy. I mean, just even reading this story, it's almost like you're barely scratching the surface of how um, deep your mercy is, how expectant you look around for any turning whatsoever towards you. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. And Father, my request this morning, and for any who wants to agree with me in this request, is unveil to us supernaturally that that mercy I don't know what that would look like I mean obviously in your word we can study it but we want it to become revelation we want it to become a part of us uh, especially for those of us like me and Kathy that wouldn't mind just you know you zapping everybody that we think's dumb off the earth you know so we we want to go below the surface go below what we can even comprehend into it becoming a revelation that is extremely powerful. And so I ask for that, Father, uh, because I think that's going to be needed. We're going to have to have discernment as the age progresses and it gets closer to your return to discern when is a time to release the judgments of the Lord in prayer like we see in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 that actually kicked off the opening of the seals or when is it a time to extend mercy? When is it a time for both? And uh, so, Father, we don't ever want to be presumptuous or out of emotion, uh, you know, say things that would be a judgment over people, but instead we want to be discerning. We want to definitely slow down like the turtle and see people as you see them and love them as you love them, even if that means that love demands for the one who is offending to be removed. And so I ask that you help us to increase in discernment uh, so we can partner with you in the judgments for or against that you want in the earth. And Father, this morning we give you our tithes and our offerings, and uh, we do it under uh, no compulsion or guilt or performance by any means. We give to you cheerfully, and we give to you as an act of loyalty, that we thank you that you have prosper prospered us in the last week. And so, Father, we want to give you a portion of that as a thank you and to sanctify the rest. But Father, in particular, I pray for Kathy. She's one of those that would be impacted most by inflation, just because of her line of work and her need for supplies, etc. And so we ask that she see multiplication, uh, food that lasts longer, um, gas that lasts longer, uh, supply that lasts longer, people that can now get her things that she couldn't get through old suppliers. We ask for those connections. We pray, Father, that she be inflation proof, that it cannot touch her nor can it touch her prosperity. Actually, Father, we pray that for all of us, but especially Kathy with her line of work. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, but been meaning to ask you about that.